This is Equip and Engage, a podcast by Subsplash, exploring how ministry, technology, and innovation come together to equip churches around the world to engage their communities. Hey, welcome to Equip and Engage. I'm Chris, part of the team here at Subsplash. Really excited to be back in our series, See the Good, where we're interviewing uh, leaders, musicians, business executives, pastors, many others, just to hear about their perspective on really what's happening in the world right now and where they're seeing God at work and where they're seeing communities adapt for the better. We've had some great conversations so far, and today I'm really excited to welcome Jamie and Kent from the Humanitarian Disaster Institute at Wheaton. Welcome, you guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, really good to connect with you both, and I think that just the the timing of being connected with you two um, in light of what's happening in the world right now is providential and fascinating and, and curious for sure. So I'm just I'm glad for this conversation and can't wait to hear your perspective on what you're seeing right now. So even before we get started with most of these questions, we'd love to hear a little bit about the two of you, even personally, as well as um, HDI at Wheaton and the work that you're doing, your students. Just bring us into your story a little bit. So the Humanitarian Disaster Institute, we're the first faith-based academic disaster research center in the country. And we launched wow. around nine years ago. And a lot of that came out of my initial experience of having just moved to South Mississippi six days before Hurricane Katrina hit. And just realized wow. that even though the church was ready to help and one of the first on the ground to help and did so much good, that there also wasn't a place that they could turn for good scientifically and faith-based resources. Yeah, that's fascinating. And when, when was that? When were you in, down in Mississippi? When did that happen? So I had just finished up my doctorate in psychology, moved from the Chicago area down south. Yeah. And then, um, you know, six days later, the storm just comes running through our community. So it was in the wrong place at the right time, I suppose. Yeah, that's kind of what it sounds like. Interesting. Thanks, Jamie. And what about you, Ken? What's your, what's your role and um, just what's the community you're a part of? Yes, yeah, so I, um, I came, come from a background of development. So I worked with refugees for several years out of undergrad, uh, lived in Haiti for a while, uh, worked in Haiti with long-term development and education and justice issues, and then helped respond to the devastating earthquake in 2000. 10 uh, and then was doing that sort of work and doing writing along the way and then uh, Jamie mentioned you know some years ago that they were getting ready to launch uh, an MA in humanitarian and disaster leadership and I just thought it was a, a perfect vision for serving this sector we see right now what's happening yeah. in our country and in our world and to bring, bring together the best of faith formation and leadership with world-class thinking and research to make sure students are able to enter and be leaders that are bringing together the the best ways to love our neighbors, who are especially neighbors who are vulnerable, uh, is a fantastic vision. So I've been really grateful to become part of this. Yeah. Well, I'm just really excited to learn more about the work that you two are doing. And uh, again, just the timing of connecting with you in the midst of COVID-19 pandemic is really remarkable. So I'm sure there's a lot you have to share and would just love to jump right in. I'd love to hear from both of you, Jamie and Kent. Um, where are you seeing the good in your surroundings or in your community or even in the world right now? What are you seeing? I think for, for me, I, I love that phrase, seeing the good Chris, that you're using. And uh, for me, a lot of the work Jamie and I have done with our team for the last two months is helping the church respond, for both prepare for COVID-19 and then respond to COVID-19 and now preparing to see how to, in a wise way to, you know, re-enter and reopen church. Yeah. And so, so for me, what's been really encouraging is in the midst of the suffering, I think the church has been incredible uh, in its creative responses. Uh, you think of 
so many churches in the world and in our country that moved online so quickly, even those who had nothing, no online presence yep. before. I think the way we've seen churches and we've been in touch with churches using our manuals who are reaching out to vulnerable older adult populations, to refugee populations, to immigrant populations, um, you know, people with families. And so to me, to all that, the, the headlines that more often make it in the news about churches are, you know, the one or two that are still opening uh, yes. in spite of all, but it's the, so many are being creative and being Christ's body in the midst of crisis has been really, for me, uh, encouraging to see that good happening. Yeah, I totally agree. That's been my perspective as well, um, partnering with so many churches in technology in particular and seeing some incredible creativity and definitely a hustle to get something in place so they can stay connected. Absolutely see that. And it sounds like you guys would echo that. What about you, Jamie? Yeah, you know, I think, Chris, just like what you're talking about of how the churches are coming together and, you know, really hitting the ground hard in terms of trying to help us however they can. And, you know, also like with what Kent was saying on that creativity, for me, it's just been incredible to see the church come together as the full body of Christ and seeing the different strengths that different congregations have, different leaders have, and really this new kind of renewed spirit of collaboration of how do we really work together and to live out, you know, that call as Christians in a hurting world. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. There's uh, we've talked about this before, even in other interviews, but there's this cross pollination that might not normally happen, or at least might not happen with as much intentionality as it's needing to happen now. And it's just a cool thing to see, honestly, even in the midst of tragedy and real, real challenges, that's a really cool fruit that we're seeing, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, I know that you two and uh, the Institute have uh, really pivoted it sounds like in this season to meet some need and uh, you've adapted and made some changes i just love to hear more about that how are you changing to adapt to these situations well you know i think that's the one of the things kent and i have joked around about a little bit is that you know as an institute that studies disasters that we're kind of used to having to be flexible and adapting to situations general you know that kind of one of the ongoing jokes for anybody in the disaster world is that you know you go in with your plan you present your plan to your team for what the day is going to be and by the time you're done presenting it it's already out the window right the things yeah quickly so the positive has been that we're used to those circumstances but it has been really um there's been so many challenges and those challenges just happening so rapidly so as an institute we saw early on with COVID-19 because we had done research back in 2014 on public health emergencies. We'd also done some research on the Ebola outbreak. So we yeah. just saw kind of, you know, the, the writing on the wall a bit that this was likely to start to snowball. So within two days of it being officially declared a pandemic, HDI launched our first webinar series. Wow. And we've continued every week since. And we just came on and committed to the fact that we're going to be doing this. We know there's going to be rapid challenges. Challenges. There's going to be lots of changes and yeah. we're going to be here for the church and to step into those moments and just kind of go with it week by week. And then shortly after that, within a couple of weeks, we led a large summit on COVID-19 in the church with the National Association of Evangelicals and had over 5,000 church leaders attend. And then just a couple wow. more weeks ago, we ended up having uh, over 10,000 people 
attend our uh, spiritual first aid summit. And then so through, those have been like our two kind of big events. And then we had a town hall last week with the National Association of Evangelicals on reopening. But I'll hand it over to Kent to share a little bit about some of those specific resources that we've been developing at each stage. Yeah. Yeah, because part of it is convening people. So we're learning together and hearing people are inspiring but informative on all these issues, as Jamie said. So these are the, the gathering events we've done. Then we've, we're just finishing a third manual. So we did a preparing your church for COVID-19 uh, research-based manual. It's kind of research and faith-based. Um, I think that was about 20 or 30, about maybe 30 pages. And then we uh, had done research and Jamie led a research team for really 15 years uh, to develop a spiritual first aid uh, it's called of how to step in after disasters and respond to people's spiritual and emotional needs uh, in crisis situations. And so we quickly worked and did an adapted COVID-19 version of that that then has been out and downloaded by, you know, and used by you know, thousands of people now. And we're getting ready to have the Spanish version on Monday uh, that's out. And then we're uh, also just almost ready with the manual for reopening your church. Uh, along the way, we also wrote dozens of op-eds and articles, and um, yeah. and we have probably more a couple dozen tip sheets as well. Just how do you talk with older adults? How do you talk with children? How do you do self-care? So all these things, we just you know, so much of what we've done in the past is relevant to this moment that we've been working hard yep, to quickly right. adapt for this. Yep. And I just I love hearing about your preparedness for it. In a sense, I'm just encouraged by that. You guys are meeting. <laughs> so many needs, it sounds like. I don't know if it feels like that on your end, but from my perspective, it's like, wow, somebody is already just on top of this sharing these resources. So I'd just love to hear sort of, you know, what, what sort of impact and fruit you're seeing from that even, like how, how are churches taking advantage of the resources that you're offering and what's their response been? You know, it's, it's been really encouraging. And, you know, a lot of the resources that we've done, we couldn't do it without the local church or other church leaders stepping in where maybe they've seen something that we've developed and are asking, oh, if we could work with you, we could help adapt this into a new language and yeah. get this into the hands in a whole different country. Um, so it's really, that to me has just been the most gratifying part to see others wanting to come along and, and join in. And we even had a major nursing association. Uh, of professional nurse leaders that saw some wisdom and some of the tip sheets that we developed for pastors on self-care. And now that we've worked with them to adapt it. So it's being used with nurses. Oh, we wow. also have an online class on uh, preventing burnout and compassion fatigue. And, you know, it's just been really meaningful to get, you know, hundreds of emails from different people taking that to let us know how that's been useful to them in their own self-care. Yeah. And we're our student, our master's degree students are, helping with food security, food distribution. They're on church preparation teams in their churches and response. And so I think seeing our students really engaged and hearing from churches who are uh, thanking us for the different resources we put out because it helps them pay attention to a certain group that might've been on the margins and they're yep. able to center them. And I think for us, we, we're serving the servers. We just feel grateful for the hard work that pastors, ministry leaders, people like you are doing. So we just want to serve people who are serving their communities. I'm so grateful for the hard work everybody's doing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thinking about your students, what incredible hands-on experience they're getting right now. Who, who would have expected this for them? But I'm just glad that they are with you guys being equipped for just this sort of thing. Well, and Chris, you know, one of my favorite stories about our students, uh, we have one of our students who uh, just graduated, actually, but um, she had started working as a leader in a local nonprofit caring for refugee women. And another, so that's here in Illinois. Yeah. 
And then another one of our students who's online um, was finishing her degree out in, is it North Dakota, Kent, or South Dakota? Yeah, North Dakota. North Dakota. And was working with a group of refugees there on uh, weekly, like creating a garden space and everything. And when COVID-19 broke out, our student here in Illinois worked with the refugee women to create a COVID-19 mask then sent those to North Dakota, where our other student took those then to the refugees that she was working with on the ground on the gardening project to be able to give that to them so they could continue. So, I mean, it's just amazing to see what our students are doing. Yeah, seriously. So encouraging. Well, I'm curious to hear from you both what you think the role of the church is right now. You think about this space, of course, you work with many churches, it sounds like. What's the role of the church right now? And also, what does this mean for the future, you know, months and, and years to come? How will the church change as a result of this? Yeah, it's a big question. I think the, the church, in a sense, like some people, we were even helping with uh, some work on reopening your church. I think one encouraging thing that all three of us have been talking about is, you know, in other ways, the church has never closed. So the church has yeah. just kept being the body of Christ. And that means supporting each other. That means finding ways to worship and to be in scripture. That means also reaching out to the community and not, you know, not just within the church community, but reaching out to the broader community that they're there. So I think in that way, the God's mission doesn't change now, just as it hasn't changed in the last uh, 2000 years. And for the church of caring for people who are vulnerable and finding creative ways to connect when it's hard to connect. And so I think that's, that's the calling and that continues to be the calling. And then we get to support each other and being creative to keep loving God and loving our neighbors along the way. Yeah. Yeah, and just to add to that, you know, I think kind of what I was hearing from Kent and that has really resonated with what I've observed is that we just need the church to be the church right now. That, you know, oftentimes when Kent and I are talking to different church leaders or, you know, uh, different congregations about how to help them through, you know, COVID-19, one of the first places that we start, you know, is what is it that God's already called you to do and what has he equipped you to do? And so now is the time to pivot into COVID-19. It doesn't mean that we need all of our churches to become like many FEMA organizations, you know, with, you know, some churches may have the resources and, and that may be a type of role they serve, but more than anything, we just need the church to be the church right now. Yeah. But it's encouraging that God's designed for the churches for this situation. It's, it's not just for years of peace and prosperity and nothing's wrong at all. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I'd love, love to hear that. Thinking about you too, just, um, personally, or even the organization you're a part of, what are some, maybe some small, even practical things that you're doing right now to adapt ways that you're mixing things up um, just to really thrive and, and cope with what's going on right now? We were on a, we were on a webinar yesterday for the, for the, uh, that a government agency had run and we shared it with a Harvard professor and he had talked about this. So I was thinking I need a little bit, I've been doing this well sometimes and sometimes not so well, but he had talked about three health indicators or things, factors that we can do for our health in these stressful times in this order of being, you know, sleep and then exercise and then diet. And so that's a pretty practical way to think. And, you know, as, yep. as we've, all the work we've done the last two months are, have been times of not enough sleep, but then also, you know, making sure, okay, am I getting enough sleep? And, and uh, so that I can do this for the long, long run so that if this is a marathon, uh, not a, not a sprint. And then I think the other part is just trying to, fu- trying to remember, for a pastor or for us, it's uh, so much about teamwork in moments like this. We're all stretched to capacity and, and how do we share, know what our strengths are, find other people, find new ways of, of, of shedding, sharing responsibilities. And I think when we can do that, 
if we're getting the right rest and we're sharing responsibilities well, we can really uh, accomplish a lot and, and mean that we're still there in three or four months doing this hard work, not just right now. Yeah, I, I think you're so... So right, Ken, I love that picture of us being a marathon, not a sprint, because truly we, we just don't know. Nobody knows uh, mm-hmm. when this will resolve itself or be back to normal, right? Mm-hmm. And so it matters what we do now and that matters that it's sustainable and that we can keep it up and, and drive toward health in that. As, you know, as a pastor that I know said, how we live our lives now is how we live our lives. You know, it's not like we're sort of mm-hmm. suddenly free from the normal like ways that we thrive <laughs> in God's design for thriving. Like, no, we have to, we have to do that now even in the midst of this what about you jamie we'd love to hear from you on that yeah absolutely you know just what you were sharing there chris really resonated so um actually this coming friday it'll be six years since i had my last chemotherapy treatment for stage four cancer so i'd been diagnosed at the age of 35 and in some ways what we're going through with the pandemic really kind of mirrors what I went through on a small scale individually at the time. Yeah. And, you know, it was an endurance and there, you know, and I remember thinking, you know, cause I'd spent my career studying resilience, which is you know, kind of a lay definition of, you know, our ability to bounce back, but something like this takes a long time. It's that marathon approach, like what Kent was saying. And so spent about a year after I got healthy trying to understand what is this? that I'm observing and others that can kind of endure these difficult times of adversity. And then going back through scripture and talking with philosophers at Oxford and Cambridge and, you know, theologians here at our own campus at Wheaton realized what I'd been looking at, but couldn't name was spiritual fortitude, that -hmm. it's our ability to learn how to live life in the adversity, not have to wait for the adversity to pass to get back to life. Yeah, what a great, what a great vocabulary term to hang on to there. Thanks for sharing that. Which one we to nerd out? We totally created an empirical scale of that and have tested it and um, are studying that now in a lot of populations. That's fascinating. Well, we'll have to hear more about that, Jamie. Thanks for sharing that. I'm curious, um, maybe just last question for you two here. What do you think might be the long-term positive impact of this? Looking months, even, even years out, how will church or culture society look uh, different for the better as a result of COVID-19? I think it was some of the places I've worked before, you know, like uh, not minimizing the the costs, you know, I think the, the closest thing that I've experienced is something like the earthquake in Haiti. And so yeah. the, the long-term cost is, you know, still felt 10 years later there. It's a slightly different disaster and different situation. So uh, completely acknowledging the cost, but then also know that out of uh, working in crises, a lot of new relationships are formed and deepened, you know, they can be colleagues yep. you're working with or, neighbors who now you're sitting out in the driveway talking with who you didn't spend that much time other than a quick hello later on i think the you know my son is reading every day uh books to his grandparents uh you know where before it was a call on the phone every once or two weeks so what first comes to mind is just the the bonds that can grow personally like within the church with teams within neighborhoods absolutely yeah, and I, I think very similar to what Kim was sharing for me, it, I think the positive is the emphasis that we've experienced on community. You know, I, I know there had been <clears throat> a lot of challenges and even some research showing that the ways that we had used technology sometimes actually made it more of a struggle for our mental health. Mm. But I think we've kind of learned too now because of COVID-19, how to use our technology. Like, like I, I just think about like what you guys do at Subsplash is so important to my own family. You know, so every Sunday morning when we go to, 
you know, go to church. Now it's that we're going to our couch yeah. and putting up our Apple TV, you know, app and streaming right. our service. Thanks to you guys. And so I think there's been some great examples of learning how to use technology in healthy ways that has come out of this. And then I think another kind of big takeaway is that we're so much more than just our buildings as the church. You know, it's, I think it's been a good reminder to us that what is actually the church? It's, it's God's people. It's, it's not just our buildings. Yeah. And then the last takeaway for me has been, you know, being a psychologist, you know, most of my career, I've oftentimes felt like I was the person like knocking on the door, you know, trying to get everybody to pay attention to mental health issues. And now Parks and Rec has a whole special episode on mental yes. health. So right. there's like what have been conversations that had been maybe shrouded in, you know, mental health stigma or even difficult to get talking to people about everybody's talking about now. Yep. So I, that's another positive that's come out of this. Yeah. Those are really great points, Jamie. And I particularly just uh, think about what it means for the church to be a people, not a place. I mean, how many times have many of us heard that or something like it? Um, and that takes a new meaning now. And we certainly won't forget this current image of, well, we still belong to one another, even though I haven't seen you in the same place in months now. So I just think that's a really important image that we'll hang on to. Well, I just want to thank both of you guys. It's a great perspective on this. Um, and I would also love for those who are listening, watching to be able to get connected with you or with HDI. Uh, what would it look like just to follow what you're doing and be part of it? So if you go to wheaton.edu slash HDI uh, is a place where you can find out about resources. You can find out about our yeah. masters in humanitarian and disaster leadership. And then to highlight one other one, I think that's the, what Jamie was just talking about, the spiritual first aid hub com is another place where you can go for especially as churches are finding all this and need need this kind of connecting and mutual support on spiritual and emotional mental health needs that spiritual first aid hub.com is a really helpful use uh, site right now cool awesome so those two things the places for churches to go that want the resources you've been talking about everything's there yep and then they, should, they can find both jamie and me on uh on twitter and facebook and all that to, to connect as well because we keep on sharing our resources and, yeah. and good resources we're finding from other people as well awesome cool well thank you both really appreciate your time and perspective and also just want to say thanks to everyone watching listening equip and engage we'll be back with more conversations uh just like this one with other other leaders and other perspectives on what god is doing and how communities are adapting even thriving in this time so Thank you, Jamie. Thank you, Kent. Thanks everyone for watching. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in to Equip and Engage, where we're sharing insights learned from thousands of conversations with leaders and pastors around the world. To follow along with these conversations, subscribe today or visit our website.